As a career sales professional, I've spent the majority of my tenure working in a corporate environment. You know, being in sales has always been an act of faith, but I, I'm sure that's what God has gifted me to do. You know, the past five years, as I've hit the prime of my career, I've enjoyed some consistent success, as well as the rewards that, that come with that success. On a similar note, Kimberly and I took a leap of faith about 10 years ago and started our own business, the Undone Hair Salon. <clears throat> Kim's passion is hair and leading others to the same profession. And by July last year, we were riding high in both of our careers, respectively. I was a top sales performer at my corporate job, and Kim had built a thriving small business, thriving salon with, with over 20 employees. While I was performing well, I was, I was not really happy in my career, and I longed for more independence. After prayer and, and deliberation, I made a decision to go out on my own as an independent insurance agency agent servicing the, the trucking industry. At roughly the same time, we had a, seven employees walk out of our salon in a single day. Uh, suddenly, we were faced with a 30% revenue loss while I was going into a new industry as an independent contractor with no base pay or benefits. Things were tough, they were tight, but we had faith in God and, and our abilities to endure in our chosen profession. Things were starting to go, go good, and then the pandemic hit in late March. Our salon was closed for almost two months. Uh, in the month of April alone, nearly 90,000 truckers lost their jobs. Many of the policies I had just written began to cancel. As bad as this may have seemed, there were some real cons constants in our life. Our faith, our family, our service and fellowship to the church, and, and our health. Kim and I have been lifting weights and competing in amateur contests for the past several years. We have found some real strength and spiritual grounding by shaping our bodies to their full potential as we believe God has intended for us. We, we lift together every Sunday morning before coming to church. When the gyms were shut down, I remember pleading with God not to take this away as well. He, he provided in a big way when a local gym owner loaned me the gear I needed to work out at home. I sometimes feel that if I can make my workout, then I can take care of all the other things he puts before me as well. I've also learned that strength and health gains are not linear, just like how we grow in faith. We've got to endure on a daily basis in order to break through and, and have revelations. As we apply this same method to all aspects of our life, it has brought us to a place of appreciation in what we have to endure. Even though we're in a tough season, the discipline of lifting and making gains has given me the wisdom to know that I need to simply endure. I need to keep going because this is when Jesus does his best work in my life. So if you're going through a tough or difficult time, then my encouragement to you is to hang on, be foothill strong, and do not give up. My family and I love being a part of the church here, and one of the beautiful things of it is is that we get to know people like Brett and Kimberly and their story and how they've persevered and how they've continued to thrive, even in the midst of difficult life. Uh, this morning, what we're going to do is that we're going to talk about what it, what, what, how it is that we endure and how we continue on. You know, we've been going through FH Strong for just a few weeks, and I just I want to stop for just a mention and, and stop because it's such a special moment uh, in their families' lives. So we have Ryan and, and Kinsey here in church with us today. Two newlyweds. The glow around them is so bright I can't even see my monitors. It's amazing, and so. Uh, 
Wow, congratulations. We are rooting for you. And not only rooting for you, we've prayed for you. And we celebrate life's, uh, Christ's life in you. Also for uh, Zach and uh, Kendall, who are married on Friday night here as well, and now on their honeymoon. What a beautiful season in the Peaks' lives. Uh, gosh, what a glow you have, Kim, as well. These are good days. So uh, in FH Strong, one of the things we talked about, and, and in fact, their lives even show us that, and that is this, is that so much of the world around us is shutting down. It's over, it's finished, it's dour, it's... It, no, it's not. We can thrive in the midst of adversity because our God reigns. Our God reigns. Jesus himself in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, gave us these words. I told you these things so that in, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, child. I've overcome the world. We have a Jesus that is not driven by fear. We have a Jesus that leads us in faith. As we said several times, the world is in chaos. Our God is not. Our God is not. So today we're going to talk about steps that go through that. But I think it's just important that we, 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 we if you will, bring together the package of what it looks like of walking in FH strong. Those five are up here on the, on the screen for you if you want to see them. The first thing we've talked about is Pastor Doug preached on choosing courage. Then we talked about if we want to be FH strong or Jesus strong, then we've got to sharpen our character then we learned to rely on God's power. We heard Heather's story after she fell off the waterfall. Then we talked about focusing our lives on what really matters. Then last week, we talked about the beauty and the joy of living a biblically free life. And today, we're talking about how we endure through hardships. What does it look like when we stay at it, even though things are difficult? Hebrews chapter 12 gives us a phenomenal set of verses that actually line this out for us. I want you to read them with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that was marked out for us. Notice the words that were marked out for us. Jesus marked out a path that we would walk in it and it applies and blesses all of us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're going to talk this morning about the difference between living the right race or running the right race and living in the rat race. God called on us to live in the right race, not the rat race. How do we do that? We fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Seeing further here, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he scorned its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, and this is for us, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and that you and I will not lose heart. There's a pa there's, there are three beautiful things packed into these verses this morning, and I want to encourage you that just open up your heart a little bit here because I don't know if you've walked in here today with a bandage on your leg or if you sprinted in here today and made your best time ever. I'm not sure where you are, but God does know where you are. If you're going to run that right race, and you and I are going to do that, the first thing that we need to do is we need to lay down what weighs us down, and we need to lay aside that which snares us. We need to lay down what weighs us down, and we need to lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. I want you to see this five-pound weight, and I know I am secure as a human being that I could watch Brent, uh, Brett, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that was either 290, 300, or 310, depending upon how heavy the bar was. So I'm here with my five-pound weight, and I am secure in myself today to know that it's okay. But you know what I want to show you? 
is that the way the world packs it in on our lives and the way the rat race works is that the rat race doesn't give you 310 pounds on a bar. The rat race gives you five pounds at a time. And you know what the rat race does? It says, here, take this, and here, take this, and here, take this, until you're that mom carrying 10 of these, and you got 50 pounds in front of you, and a kid that's screaming, until you're that dad who's carrying 10 of these, and you got the other child that's screaming, and you're wondering, how do we get into this? The world comes upon us in five-pound increments, and we get all excited about 300 pounds. And I would say to you this, the key to running the right race is knowing how to put the five-pounders down and pick up the weight that God has called you to have. So many of us have done this, and I want to show you the ways that we actually put these five-pound weight, five weights into our lives and how we, unfortunately, when we pick those up, they take us down. When we pick up the small things, they take us down. And you know what this looks like? It looks like the expectations of others, and it looks like the sin that so easily snares our lives. One of the things that we do is, is that we carry around the weight of other people's expectations. I said to you last week, we get should on by other people. You can follow along in the app if you'd like to, because there are notes there for you to follow along. But here's the important part, is that don't let the expectations of others weight down your life. You know how you know this goes on? Think of the person that when you see that person, you go, oh, shoot. I know they told me I was supposed to do this and do this and do this. Well, there's a real responsibility that comes with life. But there are also those people that just walk around with five-pound weights and say, here, you take one. Here, you take this. Here, you take that. Another weight is this. You ready? We think we have to solve all the world's problems. Is that you? Do you have to solve all the world's problems? We actually begin to believe that about our lives. Jesus didn't intend for us to solve all the world's problems. In fact, he knew the world would have problems. He said, take heart, I've overcome the world. Give me the weight of your world and I will guide you. I keep a great conversation going on with lots of friends around the world. One of my friends from Europe actually this morning texted me something and I want to read to you as I was asking him, hey, what's your observation? What's going on in Europe? What do you see happening? And here's what he said to me. 80% of people here are frightened and are manipulated easily. Discussions with them leads me nowhere. No, nowhere. I, and, then I, and then I read on further. He said, I'm mostly observing what's going on, wondering and hoping that the wake-up call will not be too devastating and that we can recover. That's the world we live in, friends. That's the world we live in. The first thing we want to do is that we want to put down the weight. The second thing we want to do is that we want to lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. Uh, sorry, I jumped ahead, but I'm still on uh, point one here. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, it, it puts out a sin. I could have picked 50 of them. I'm picking one today that's out of Proverbs 14, verse 30. Look at this sin. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. Do you and I know what envy is? Here's what envy is. I'll read it to you. Envy has to do with feeling unhappy about the success of someone else or what they have, compared as well with then, at the same time, secretly you feel inferior in and of yourself. We envy what they have. We feel bad about what we are or what we aren't. There's another step that actually goes up, and that is malicious envy. Malicious envy takes it another step further, and it looks like this. It includes judging the other person that they don't deserve what they have. We don't just envy what they have. We decide in our hearts that they don't deserve what they have and that we should have it instead. Do you know what kind of a weight and what kind of a snare it is to live a life like that? 
it will own you. And not only will it own you, it will destroy your relationships. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 here says, but envy rots the bones. Can I tell you what else envy does? Envy rots the relationships. Envy rots your home. Envy rots your neighborhood. Envy rots your work environment. Envy rots everything. In fact, if you really wanted to play a game with it, you could trace all the crazy going on in our world down to that notion of envy. I have, but I don't, I I want, but I don't have, so I envy what you have. The second point is this, is that you have to know what your race is and how you plan to finish. So after we lay down the weights and after we get past the snares that so entangle us, the second thing we do is you have to know what your race is and you have to have a plan to finish it. Look what it says here. And let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. What's the race you're in? The world around us has invited us to live in the rat race. You know what the rat race looks like? Me against you, but we fake like we're in this together. The right race is this, me with him and he is in it with me together. The right race is a race that includes us loving each other and walking with each other and celebrating each other. The rat race says, I can't wait to see you fail. The right race, hear me, is driven by the values that God himself has set forward for the race he marked out on our behalf. Those values actually guide how you and I run. The values that we either have or don't have are shown when we face great adversity. When I went off to college, I played ball for a couple years in Oklahoma at Seminole State College. And at Seminole State College, when you showed up uh, in the fall, you had to run what was called two for time. We had to run two miles in 12 minutes. And if you couldn't do it before the beginning of the spring season, you didn't get a uniform. You didn't get a uniform. It wasn't, well, you're the star player. Now, mind you, when I was going to school there, the Oklahoma Player of the Year for my junior year was in this school. The Oklahoma Player of the Year my senior year was in this school. We were playing all this ball together, and if you couldn't run two miles in 12 minutes, you didn't get a uniform. It was just that way it was. Well, before we left for the, spring, uh, for the fall break, before we left, I should say, for the Christmas break, every year you had to run five miles at the finish, and he would time you, the coach would time you. And the five miles was downhill one way, uphill the other way. I've driven that road several times since then. I have flashbacks, hallucinations, problems, troubles. Uh, You'll know some of the reasons why I have difficulty in life. That five miles before my freshman year uh, going home, I'm going to use an Oklahoma with you, Pertner killed me. It Pertner killed me. It was one of the most awful things. When I came back, I had to run two for, twi- two for time. I made the two in just under 12 minutes. Got a uniform my freshman year. The second year, I came back as a sophomore, and my game plan changed. Instead of, not running, uh, instead of running the race so I wouldn't get yelled at, I ran, I ran the race as a focus on endurance. I know it's hard to believe, but 45 pounds ago, I ran, I ran five miles I ran five miles in 30 minutes and six seconds. That's five miles at a uh, six-minute clip. And that year, the goal was, is this, is that for whoever won the race got a brand new set of Puma cleats, and I needed those cleats. 65 bucks meant a lot in my world. I don't know if it meant a lot in your world, but it meant a lot in my world. That year, I came in second, uh, and I got beat by a guy who's five foot ten inches tall. At the year, he was a freshman. He was 145 pounds. He ended up pitching for the Chicago Cubs, a kid named Kevin Gore. I'm not bitter, but I do remember the race. <laughs> you know what happened for me the, between my freshman year and my sophomore year? 
I went from not wanting to get yelled at to wanting to see how hard I could push myself to be the best I could be. In your life, you know what the rat race is about? It's keeping and tamping down all the people that yell at us. God has a better way. God actually comes along and says, I'm cheering for you. I have a purpose for your life. You don't have to worry about being screamed at. What I want you to know is this, I am cheering you on. To know that the Heavenly Father has sent His Son to cheer me on in the race makes the race a whole lot easier. I ask you again, are you running the rat race or are you running the right race? Because it will have a lot to do on whether or not you can run the race set before you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, run a race that is set before you. I'll give you one little tip in all this. You can't fight God for the race. Some of you feel like you're on a 100-yard dash. Some of you feel like you're on a 200-yard. Maybe some of you are crazy enough to run the 400. And if you are, God bless you. I don't want to be around you. Uh, if you're a miler or maybe you're a, 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 a 10K person, maybe you're whatever. I've run all those races. I have. You can see old Chubby Harvey in fifth grade, right, knocking it out on a 50-yard dash. That was me. Because in fifth grade, you know what was so cool? I didn't care. I thought I won. I was the first loser or the second loser or the third loser. But you know what? Something happened between fifth grade and later on where the rat race takes over. I'm praising God that I've learned what it means to actually run the right race rather than to run the rat race. I want you to hear something else. It's not just starting the race that counts. It's finishing the race that counts. There's a story from the 1968 Olympics. Many of us remember the, the, the civil rights uh, struggle that happened in Mexico in the 1968 Olympics. But there was another story that was even more, I think, on, on a par as important as that other one. And I want you to hear that story here this morning. For some, the reward is a personal one the knowledge that they finished what they set out to do. A little over an hour after Mama Walde crosses the finish line, John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania approaches the stadium, the last man to complete the journey. A voice calls from within to go on, and so he goes on. Afterwards it was written, Today we have seen a young African runner who symbolizes the finest in the human spirit. A performance that gives true dignity to sport. 
a performance that lifts sport out of the category of grown men playing at games. A performance that gives meaning to the word courage. All honor to John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania. Perhaps the words of John Stephen Aquari epitomize all that is right in the human spirit. When asked why he did not quit, he said simply, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles not to start the race, but to finish the race. God did not set you here to start the race. He set you here to finish the race. And not only finish the race, but to finish the race well. We were given a God who said, you can endure. You can keep going when the world around you doesn't know how to keep going. How do we do that? We do that by running the right race based on the values of God, not the values of the world. The values of the world determine the rat race. The values of God determine the right race. So if someone asks you this question, how would you answer? What are you for? What are you for? Not just what are you against. You know the easiest thing in the world to do is to be against something. You know the easiest thing in the world to do? Tear down something that someone else built. You know the hardest thing in the world to do is build a life. The easiest thing to do is tear it down. Once you figure out what your values are and how you're going and where we're moving forward in our lives, God then encourages us to do what? Finish the race well. Finish it well. Don't just finish, but actually finish well. That guy going in that stadium, I've seen that so many times. I had chills up here again watching him go into that tunnel. And it was even so much so the race was over, right? But he wasn't running against that, uh, the others at that point. He was running against what? Himself. We were meant not just to start the race, but we were also meant to finish the race. There's a third thing that I want you to see, and it's up here, and that is this, is that we look to others and Jesus for encouragement, not comparison. But looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and he has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We look to Jesus and we look to others for encouragement, not for comparison. If you want to live the death spiral, it's this. Compare your life to everybody else. It's where envy will own you and envy will drive everything about you. One of the things that Shadley and I have done is that we've made it a point to make, to make it that we know missionaries and that we're a part of their lives. So many of our friends come in all the different hues of skin color because we don't even see it anymore. From the time that my kids were five and seven years old, every year, every other year, we took them down to Mexico and we built homes for homeless people. I've been a part of building over 75 homes and two hospitals around the world personally. Why? Because those are my values. That's what matters to me. My kids, catch this, we didn't tell them values, we showed them our values. How do we show them our values? We were among people. We didn't even know the color of their skin. We just knew the way that we could be a part of encouraging them and walking with them. If you want to jumpstart your faith, if you want to jumpstart the way you live, if you want to move forward how you are, hang around a few missionaries once in a while. Or better yet, go on one of our mission trips with us and let God shape your heart. Don't let Pastor Doug and I tell you of the values of God. We'll show you the values of God. There's a, there's a, 
uh, one of the ministries that we support is called Casa de Fe, and it's in Ecuador. And I want you to see a picture of some of the kids that are in that ministry there in Ecuador. You'll see little Rosa, and you'll see her, daughter, her sister Marcia. And here we have Patty Sue Arnold, who's one of the missionaries that we personally support. We asked Patty Sue about her ministry and about what was going on there, and she shared this amazing story of endurance that I think is important for you to hear. Because remember, if we're going to make it, we focus on Jesus and others to encourage us not to compare with us. So you look at her life and you look at little Rosa, you should hear the story about where she came from. Here's what Patty told us. Marcia and Rosa showed up at the orphanage about 10 years ago, sorry, about 12 years ago when Rosa was 10 years old. She showed up with her younger sister. This is what Patty said about her. Uh, They had both been abused by their alcoholic father, and they'd come there to this orphanage because there was nowhere else for them to go. Rosa was and is fiercely protective of her little sister, but she also had a very compassionate heart towards others. Along the way, she's never been an honor roll student. She's never been at the top of her class. She's always had to work very hard for every grade she got. Rosa had to dig deep and fully invest in every class she took. You should know this, that the last few years of her studies, here's what her normal day looked like. From 7 in the morning till 5 o'clock at night, she worked. At 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock, uh, sorry, yeah, at 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock, she went to school. And from 10 until she was finished, she would then do her studies after school. That was what she did day in and day out. This, fast, this past February... Just four or five months ago, little Rosa is now 22-year-old Rosa, and she graduated from high school, and she, she received her degree. This little girl came from a difficult plight, and in that process, she kept going. Some around her would say, well, you didn't graduate at 18. Others around her in the rat race would say, well, golly, you're not, you know, you're not as far along as we are. She didn't care about that. She kept going. And what Patty Sue told us was this, and I wanted to share it with you as a church. Our missionary, those offerings that you and I have given, they support this work at Casa de Fe, House of Faith. Here's what she said. The thing I've learned from Rosa is this. A 10-year-old girl taught me, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. If Rosa at House of Faith could keep going and work that hard and keep going, you and I could be encouraged to continue as well. We don't have to give up. We never have to give up. So let's make it personal. Are you ready to, you, you, are you done racing the rats or do you want to race with Christ? It's that simple. And you know what? I know in, in and of myself that I too can be a rat along the way. I needed the work of Christ and the values of God to change me and encourage me. These kids here, they, I see their faces and I see their pictures and I think to myself, The moment I begin to pout about my own life is the moment I need to begin praying in repentance about my life. I've given you a few things here along the way, but I want to finish with Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and it says this, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. One of the most fun times as a kid growing up uh, working on my uncle's farm was to watch at harvest time how excited he got about the harvest. Uncle Bill would get excited. Everybody drive a little faster. We were bringing in the harvest. He says, if we don't grow weary, we'll reap a harvest as well. There's three things I've given to you this morning about how to keep enduring. I I just want to review them with you real quick before we end. 
the three things there that Jesus gave us is this, is that we lay down what weighs you down. We lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. We have to know what our race is, and we know, have to know how our plan is to finish. We have to look at Jesus and, for, and others for encouragement and not for comparison. I want to give you a small set of walking points that are important to me. Um, Drew Depler was up here just a moment ago. His wife, Jennifer, his mom and dad are, are Dr. Alan, uh, uh, her dad is Dr. Alan Algram. And da- Alan and Linda led a church not too far from us. And when I was at one of the most difficult parts of my life, I was starting out as a young pastor. Our church was in over its head. The senior minister had quit. Everything was going wrong. Alan Algram gave me three amazing, or four amazing words. He said this, Harvey, never waste a pain. Never waste a pain. Never waste a pain. You know what pain does? Pain tells us something's wrong. If in your life you're living that rat race and you're feeling pain, you should hear this. Something is wrong. Something's wrong. There are three little sayings I want to just give to you this morning, and that is this, is that if you're in this world, what helps me keep going is is that I choose that praying is greater than pouting. I choose that community is greater than isolation. and And I choose that mission is better than living an aimless life. That, friends, is how we endure. That's how we keep going in the midst of these difficult days. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the protector and the finisher of our faith. May we run the right race. Thank you for worshiping with us today. The purpose of worshiping is to strengthen and grow our faith. And I hope you were challenged by Pastor Harv today. And I want to ask you to take your next step towards Jesus. If you are taking a first step towards Jesus, download the How to Connect to Jesus booklet and begin your journey of faith. If you need prayer with someone today, text FHPRAYER to 97000. If you are thinking about getting baptized, text FHBAPTISM to 97000. And finally, I would love to invite your student to our Tuesday night youth group. It's every Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Thank you for joining us today. And to everyone doing church at home, please keep the conversation going with the discussion questions.